0: You will get 15% off, not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 504 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome back on the show, Zar Horton. Now, Zar was my guest on episode 14, so one of the original guests. And at the time, he was still working as a battalion chief for Albuquerque Fire. He is also a master instructor within the Strong First organization, the Kettlebell Training. Zar has since retired out of the fire service, so now has a very unique perspective, not only of the transition, but also from the outside looking in. So we reconnected, had an incredible conversation, covered a host of topics. ...from his passion for BMX racing, overcoming injury, fitness standards, longevity in the fire service, and so much more. Before we get to this conversation, as I say every single week, please just take a moment go to whichever app you listen to this on. Subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating truly elevates this podcast, making it easier for others to find... And this is a free library of well over 500 episodes now, so all I ask in return is that you help pay it forward and share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I welcome back, Czar Horton. Enjoy. Zara, I want to say welcome back. You were my guest on episode 14 when this podcast was a mere fetus. So uh, wow. I can't wait to hear, you know, the, the last almost five years and you know, wow. your perspective now. But I'll start off by saying welcome back.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, that's it has been a while. That's really cool. Congratulations on the success of your show. Thank very you. Cool.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your retirement. I want to kind of, you know, dive into that a little bit, but very... Thank you. Very first is an icebreaker. You are wearing what appears to be a backpack. Obviously, it isn't a backpack. So <laughs> let's start with that, because <laughs> we were going to record we? a few days ago. But-
1: must we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, last Friday, it's been a week. Uh, I was uh, battling for a second place in a race. So I thought in my next race, BMX um, got back into BMX um, after you know I last time I rode was a I was a kid. Um, and I started coaching one of these, a guy who, who has, he's a defending national champion for his age group. And, um, so he, you know, said you should get on the track. So, you know, what I, what I experienced and you know, how to train for this. I'm like, all right, cool. So I kept going, kept going. And, um, so it was time to race. So, you know, the Friday before I did my first race and I actually got to race against him. I got, you know, blown out of the water as expected, but it was cool just to do it. So, the next week, which was last Friday, there were actually guys in my class, a novice, 50-year-old plus, whatever. And so, you know, and I got got smashed the first race. Then the second race, I'm like, I think I can get this guy. So, I go after him and fought for second. And I had it for a while and I lost it. So, the third race, I'm determined. And so, I put the – and this is like the first day with these new pedals and new shoes, which I can generate – a lot more speed that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> in the last in the last berm, the last turn of the last race, my I kind of went in a little bit low, and my tire just slipped out from under me, and I was I was already in a lean, so it wasn't too far to the ground, uh, but I hit with my my head and my shoulder uh, very very nicely, and uh, so I, I sustained a clavicle fracture. It's in four pieces <laughs> right now, so. <laughs> So that's why I'm wearing the backpack,
0: <laughs> little figure eight brace. So, so, yeah. but it's an interesting thing because I was <laughs> I was thinking about this after you you told me about that. I think you posted the the X-ray of the brake and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I was. Thinking one thing people don't realize when we talk about you know the sacrifice and all that stuff of of what we do and people think of oh it's what we saw or, you know if we get killed in the fire and obviously there are so many sacrifices what well, the the games that we didn't see our kids play you know the time away from our wife but another thing is exactly what you're talking about you wanted to ride BMX the whole time but you basically understood that if you got hurt your body was your tool and I had the same with you know competing in martial arts. So it's kind of an interesting, you know, thing to look back at how many, how many restrictions there are on our personal life to make sure we can still function in our professional life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, at that point, uh, that type of, that type of risk is not worth um, being sidelined at the job or being, you know, you know, it could have been worse. I mean, it could have, it was a clavicle. Yeah, but it could have been worse. Could have been a spine, could have been a head concussion, like, or, you know, leg uh, that would put you out for a while. And so, you know, during during the time that you're working, like you said, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the the risk. And uh, we'll 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 sacrifice those things to, you know, maintain the job and, and do it at a high level. I, I certainly wouldn't want to do it. I mean, I've done the the support divisions and administration. I've done that during my time, but I certainly wouldn't want to be put there. Um, invol- involuntarily because of an injury so definitely during the career yeah I, I totally relate to that yeah it's not worth it so but once you retire you can and definitely like I was just determined not to be a wallflower or a spectator and I've got to do something that's you know fun and so I hopped on the bike I was having a great time I was having a great night it was awesome like it was good but you know these things happen
0: <laughs> they do but well, that's just it though I went, yeah. I went snowboarding with my uh, son in Utah and I ended up switching the skis because it was just so icy but the first day on the board the ball kicked from under my feet I've I just started wearing a helmet somewhat recently because when I grew up we didn't wear helmets and it wasn't like I believed that you were a pussy if you it was just you know I never I was fine up to that point thank god I did man I nailed myself and I just told my son he'd asked me about oh you know when you fall for when you fall over and you can't breathe what's that called and so we were discussing that. I was like, yeah, that hasn't happened to me since I was a kid. The next day, I'm on a ski slope on my back going, ah, ah. <laughs> like the old dudes from The Muppet Show. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it's it's so hard because the kind of people that we are, those are the kind of things that we want to do, the extreme sports and all that. But at right. the same time, right. there's that kind of um, dichotomy that you can't do it because if you get hurt, you Either you don't want to sit behind a day. I don't want to be on light duty. Yeah, uh, uh, no,
1: no. And there's plenty of guys on the job that, you know, they go snowboarding and jack themselves up or play play sports and jack themselves up. And those are the guys on light duty. But, you know, they've got... They're young and they've got a lot more years left and stuff like that. But, like, you know, at that time in my career, just it didn't even occur to me to do BMX, honestly. Um, so...
0: Yeah. Now, what about um, the the getting back on, because as you said, you rode when you were young, um, mm-hmm. that, that, old analogy of, you know, getting back on a bike, what was that like with all those, those decades between the last time you were on consistently?
1: Well, I think there was, a, there's a saying, uh, you know, the, the more time goes on, the better you were, you know, in your mind. So in my mind, I, I was a, you know, a, a great trick rider and freestyle. And I mean, I had a few tricks, but it was, it was really different. And I was definitely more tentative, uh, uh, getting back on. And, and, you know, when you're a kid, you just like, you pedal as fast as you can to see how fast you can go. And you are, you're not, you know, very short sighted as to, you know, what could happen. Um, definitely more tentative, you know, going, going over the course. And it's a nice manicured track too. So it was, you know, this is a great, great space to, to experiment. And uh, it took me a while to get, to, you know, start pushing some speed. So um definitely more tentative getting back on there. And, and, you know, manipulating the bike and, and like, yeah, it was different. Definitely different. It was as, as if I had never done it before. I was just starting fresh. So it was was cool. It's fun.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Well, the reason you were able to do that, as you said, is is you recently retired. So talk to me about, um, firstly how many years you ended up working and what, what finally changed in your mind where you pulled the trigger on retirement. And then if you wouldn't mind, walk us through, that transition because as you know for some people it's it's somewhat seamless if they have other things to go straight right. into other right. tribes but sure. for a lot of men and women i think it's it's quite jarring and even can you know send them down a dark path
1: yeah i uh i wound up doing 32 years um let's see almost to the to the month um started uh my first day was uh june 1st just real recently here uh so i'm still getting used to it I think some of the things there was <clears throat> some personal reasons like um, that our, our chief I I'd, I'd gone through a couple of administrations that I was um, I I just wanted to I didn't want to leave you know on, on a on a on a sour note and there was just some things you know in our department every department has stuff going on and I just didn't you know I was like I could I could have left at any time during those you know and been you know just gone and and been fine with it but um as it turned out one of my one of my buddies and he was just a great a great firefighter lieutenant all the way up through the ranks he was he was the guy every every rank he did and he became the fire chief and i'm like i want to work for this guy I, i he's a great leader and uh so i went through his administration i loved it he was a great leader really empowering to to the department did a lot of good things. And then he retired and I was like, well, okay, check, check that box. But I still, you know, I love going to work. I love the work. I love the crew. I love the, you know, I love it. I love it all. And so I was, you know, okay, uh, you know, that's, that box is checked, but I still, and I've been talking myself. I mean, every year I'm like, okay, I'll go in December. I'll go at the end of the year and the year would come around and I'm like, ah, okay, I'll go in July. I'll go in July. I'll go the summer. And then it would, it would pass, pass me by. And I I really honestly talked myself out of this. You know, I did that cycle for probably three or four years. I was doing that, you know, talking myself. I said, "Ah, I can do one more. Ah, I can do one more. And, um, I noticed some things. Oh, I know what happened also. This was another, this was a big one. Um, my daughter and her husband, they're um, up in Seattle, they had their first baby. And I went up to hang out with them for a week and meet the baby and kind of help them out, get, get going with their new family. And uh, I was there for a week and I was in the house. I had no other focus, but doing that. And I was like, and it was really peaceful up in Seattle, nice and green, beautiful weather. I'm holding this brand new baby. And is just, I'm like, wow, this is all right this is all right. And you know, everything was super low speed. And I was like, man, I kind of like this. I think I could do this. And then, so I at least started having the conversation. Then I noticed going back to work and I'd been noticing it for a while, but when I'd come to work, I did not, I wasn't so motivated to go to the weight room and that was kind of my gauge to work out on duty, uh, to have some type of fitness component. Um, during the shift, and I was noticing that I wasn't so motivated, and noticed how foggy I was. Just, you know, kind of, kind of looking at things in the big picture, and then I started <clears throat> doing some research into it. And, and we, you know, we know the studies on sleep deprivation. I mean, we know them; we've heard them for years, but we ignore them because that applies to everybody but us. Like we are, we don't don't fit that model. That's not us. I mean, I get it. Poor guys, all those people going through sleep deprivation. I don't know, that must suck. <laughs>
0: No that's five fire, so <laughs> right?
1: I'm just gonna keep and I keep you know I could have kept grinding and getting it out and you know been you know been a quote unquote fine, but I did start noticing some changes and I'm getting i mean I mean I'm gonna hit fifty four next week, and I'm like also the timeline of life I'm like, okay, I've done this since I was a kid i've done been doing this since I was twenty one and here I am in my fifties I'm like, okay, so when are you gonna enjoy some life and people are telling me, you know, and I'm watching some of my friends. You know I'm watching many of my friends retire and go on and they're telling me how great it is, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, but I like it, you know, and I really did love the job. I love my crew, and I love the job, I love going to fires, and I, I love it all. and so still not enough to dissuade me. But I did start noticing some some changes and I really started observing and I started looking into the sleep deprivation studies, and I noticed my nutrition was a little bit off, and I just wasn't feeling great and I'm like, well, I could sit here and grind it out or I could actually take responsibility and look this thing in the face and get a hold of it. Got the grand the new grandbaby and so you know, I could feel my health changing and I you know, I had checked many of the boxes off and so I'm like, let's just do this, but I had to do it like pulling a band-aid. I had to just do it, put my paperwork in. And just made it a very rapid, rapid process, or I wouldn't have done it. I'd still be, I'd be talking about December if I didn't do it in a, in a kind of rapid, rapid way. So that was kind of all those things kind of in a nutshell, the, the, the new baby and what that could be like going up there, um, you know, just to, just to go hang out with, with them and getting my, getting my health back really was the big one. Cause I finally kind of came to terms with it. Like you are living in sleep deprivation. I was foggy. And at that point, you know, like all my shifts as a battalion chief, I got all the crews, you know, I got all my crews home. Um, you know, everybody, I got everybody home safe. I'm like, I don't want to make a bad decision, you know, because I'm foggy. I don't want to, you know, I just, I, I didn't want to, I don't want to be that guy. And so I'm like, you know, for, for my own health and for, you know, everyone's safety, let's just, let's call it, let's call it, let's do it. And it was, and I'll tell you, it was very, I have a fitness, you know, I had the gym. We closed that down before COVID, but I kept, you know, personal training and, and I've got some group classes going now and, and I had them, you know, and so scary. It was so freaking scary for me. I was just what am I going to do? How is this going to go? I don't know what's going to happen and I was literally I was having, you know, this is all I've done since since I was a kid and uh and I even had, you know, a second gig to go to and I was confident about that. I still just had a lot of anxiety about um leaving, you know, the thing that I've known for all these years. It's been my structure. Um we try not to make it our identity, but it's our identity. That's what we do. And, and you know, and we love helping people. And, you know, I'm not going to like looking at the fact that I'm not going to get to do that anymore. I'm not going to get to go to the station house anymore and and, and you know, be with my crews and see my crews and see all my friends that I've made over all these years and do the service that I've done for all this time. It was very scary. It gave me high anxiety. Um, but I pulled the plug and it's, you know i still I'm not i'm i'm not accustomed to it yet it still feels like i've just uh, put in for a nice long vacation so <laughs> that still hasn't really hit me yet
0: so a couple of things firstly i mean i had this but um my last apartment um let's just say the universe put me in a place that made it super easy to leave <laughs> leave it at that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um, I, had a, I had a beer and it, i toasted it but um but when i think about people especially being in the same department you know and the bay doors close behind them after 20, 25, 30, 32 years. Um, there's that realization that even though you were an invaluable member of that team, the next ABC shift, there's going to be a fresh, warm body in there. And they're just going to keep moving. Did that have any kind of impact on you at all?
1: It's a machine, it's a machine. And, and I knew that, and I, you know, I had friends that very close friends of mine that retired and you know, what happens the next day after they retire? next crew shows up and it keeps, keeps rolling. And so, and the people that were, you know, the, the people that get promoted up when you leave, they're great and I'm happy for them. So I know the machine's in good hands and, and yeah, you feel like, you know, you've put your mark in the department and all those kinds of things. And, but really it's a machine. My, one of my, when I was at the training Academy, I had a buddy, Mike, and he was, you know, we're talking to the cadets and there was probably a moment when they got cocky and thought they had, they had a job and were invaluable because they, you know, they were these young, fresh, um, soon to be firefighters. He goes, he goes, don't think you're, you know, indispensable. And his, it was his, his lecture to them. Um, he goes, you know how long we'll miss you. He says, stick your hand in a bucket of water, pull it out as fast as you can. And he goes, the time it takes to fill that hole. That's how long we'll miss you. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) So it's a machine and I know it goes on and it's, it's cool. And I know it's in good hands and, and, uh, and I see the trucks and I wave, you know, I've seen them around town and and it's cool. And, uh, I got the, I got the coolest ride home. Um, they drove me in, in a truck with my whole station and drove me home and it was a very, very cool last ride. So yeah, it was a cool way to go out. Yeah, for sure.
0: Beautiful. Now, conversely, you know, another, another lens, what I found the next morning when I woke up, was and again there was obviously a little less brotherhood and camaraderie in the very last place but but when i was in anaheim orange county hialeah there was definitely you know a lot closer and it would have been different but um yeah but when i woke up i was like i actually have control over my life again because whatever rank you're at you still have to show up at O seven, oh eight hundred, you still have to wear a certain way, you still have to shave a certain way, you still are told on oh, this time you're doing this and this time you're doing that. So what was that like? Like even though you were in a leadership position that basically none of those people that have more bugles than you could impact your life in any way, shape, or form anymore?
1: Um it, it wasn't it wasn't that uh It wasn't honestly that big a deal because the the key people that, you know, that were above me, I I was friends with all of them. We all kind of came up together. As a matter of fact, uh, there were one, at least one, two um, people that were actually in administration that were my cadets coming through the, through the Academy. So I watched their whole careers and, you know, honestly, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, they, you know, I, I, I called them and, you know, I just talked to one of them ahead of him you know, he's, he's also since retired, but, um, we're going to have coffee. So it, it didn't, the fact that they couldn't affect me anymore, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge like relief or anything, but it was, it was interesting to say like, right. I don't have to shave in three days and get myself together. I don't have to wear my hair, you know, high and tight if I don't want to. And, uh, I, and then, you know, taking honestly taking my uniform off for the last time and hanging on the chair. I'm like, I stared at it. I honestly, it was on that chair for a month <laughs> before I moved it. I'm like, wow, I'm never putting that thing on again. It was really, uh, really kind of an interesting, um, that was, yeah, there's some mental, there's some mental stuff you go through for sure. But, uh, you know, as far as, far as them, like having a say so in my life, well, that wasn't a big deal, but, but knowing, I think the more, the more impact was that, yeah, I'm never Again, I have to show up for shift again that is really weird um just weird it wasn't it wasn't a relief or anything like that it actually gave me some anxiety and it was weird just a weird because i've been doing this honestly showing up uh since i was 21 years old and so this is yeah it is definitely uh, a bit of a mind f <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you talked about um, the seat deprivation. So, you know, something that I talk about a huge amount and try and bring on the experts. I'm by no means an expert, but through your lens, through, you know, not only 32 years in the fire service, but, you know, an incredible career in the strength and conditioning side as well in the wellness space, you know, what were some of the things that you found and then what were some of the observations within yourself?
1: Mm, um, things I found once I, I really started um, – you know, diving into well, there was a point where I dove into it, and then I didn't like what I was reading, and I didn't like like what these results of these um, um, studies were showing. So I stopped. I really stopped at like higher cancer rates, you know, shorter lifespans, higher risk for heart attack, like all these things. I did not want any part. I didn't want the knowledge. I did not want to because this is this is my life. This is what I was doing. I was doing shift work, and you know, and I was also for the last 8 years at one of the busiest firehouses in the country. And so um we were we were working a lot. I mean, the guys on the on the line on the uh, response units, I mean, they were they were going out, you know, many more times than I was per shift, but still the alarms and everything the... yeah, so I was living that and I the first time I delved into it, I I stopped and I just like kind of like closed the book. Slide it across the table. I don't want want any any part of this because it. I was like, well, it doesn't pertain to me because I feel fine. And so I just I kind of blocked that out. And I said, you know what, I can do the things I do have control over. I don't have control over the schedule. I don't have control over how many um, calls per shift or how many adrenaline spikes I'm going to go through. What I do have control and and the hours that I sleep. What I do have control over is my hydration, my micronutrients, my macronutrients. And my fitness level. And so that's where I put my focus. And I said, if I can at least get these and keep these at a pretty high level, I can at least like maybe, you know, even it out a little bit or, or, you know, make my chances for success in the long run better. So that's what I did. I, I you know, I definitely like paid more attention to my fitness and, you know, nice, very cool uh, stuff that that that's come out now. With And I always refer to to Pablo because he's he was my first teacher and kind of introducing me to all this all the new the the truth of fitness. And he's done some research, and he came up with the, you know, I'm sure it, it's been around, obviously, it's been around, but he brought it to our school of strength, um, the anti-glycolytic training, which affects you at the cellular level. I was like, all right, this is very cool. So another tool in the toolbox, another way to address, you know my health at the, at a, at a cellular level. Um, so I embrace that and increasing things like the things when you're young, you kind of, uh, you blow off because you're young and yeah, nutrition. I was getting away with murder for years with, with my nutrition. I was eating whatever, however, whenever, um, but, uh, you start addressing that and, uh, where was I going with this? You were talking yeah, about taking
0: into yeah. control your sleep deprivation I mean, stuff.
1: Yeah, so so those things, um, those were the things I could control. So those, that's where I where I put my put my efforts. I couldn't I couldn't control the sleep, so I I, I did everything else I could, and uh, and the the coolest the coolest kind of new thing that I was embracing was the most recently is the you know health at the cellular level with the mitochondrial, you know, the, all these discoveries that people are making. Oh, I was saying the things you blow off when you're younger, um, because you're getting, you're getting, you're getting away with burning. You're fine. You're athletic. You're, you're fit. You're doing fires. You know, you know, you got this great job and you know, you're bulletproof when you're young, the things you blow off, things like breathing training or the importance of breathing and meditation and those things. And so those are the, the things that, you you know, somebody, anybody who's, you know, looking to, Balance that, uh, you know, even up their odds. Definitely integrate breathing training. There's a lot of cool uh, breathing programs out there or breathing methods, um, and meditation stuff, just to increase uh, increase overall health. And I like my my big thing was you know balancing the scale and controlling the things that you can control.
0: Now, with the things you control, one of the things that I'm trying to to be one of the voices of is to change the work week. Um, because I think that it's insanity that the men and women that wake up, you know, at 3am and have to, you know, pull a kid out of a fire and do a PD code are the ones that were working crazy hours yet, you know, God forbid you ask a bank teller to work more than 40 hours, you know, and, and there's no, not, no disrespect to people in, in a nine to five. But, you know, I, to me, the tactical population needs more rest, not less. Now, what, what was the work week in Albuquerque?
1: we did uh 48 hours on and 96 hours off.
0: Okay, so a 56-hour work week.
1: Yeah, 56.
0: Yep. Right. So, with you understanding obviously deeply the, you know, the overall wellness component, um what h- how do we nationally change the philosophy to get, you know, what, what my opinion the gold standard would be would be what the whole northeast already does in some departments around the country which would be a 24/72. So 42-hour work week. How do we change the culture in the fire service and understand that if we give our men and women the rest and recovery that we need, departments will save money hand over fist with all the physical and mental health issues that we see down the road?
1: Right. It's, you know, honestly and unfortunately, um, the human component is kind of low on the totem pole of, of what's going on here. But the money is first. If you can if you can show show where where the money goes and is saved and is you know better spent. Um, and if you can also show that the public is better served, I think you ha- we have a good chance of, of changing of changing that. But it is I think some of the, um, some of the tragic stories of, of people that we've lost, um, you know, watching careers go by and watching people make bad decisions. Um, trying to self-medicate, trying to you know um, um, deal with deal with the other stresses of life, and they get caught up. And I have watched a lot of my friends, you know, take the wrong turns. And uh, I think that you know, at the heart of it, probably sleep deprivation played a part in that. You know, decision making, um, being foggy, um, people that you know go into depression. All these things are connected to that, and I think that you know, unfortunately. You know, finally, mental health is getting getting some is getting some footing in, in the big picture of things. Now, getting it getting to and PTSD, also these are you know these aren't things that are in the shadows anymore. So, any of you can you know show those things and and show that we can reduce these things by giving our brothers and sisters on those front lines more rest and more opportunity to to recover. Uh, that they show up to work, a better, a better version of of if we just keep grinding, you know, grinding them in the ground. So it's uh, it's gonna be in it's gonna be in data, data driven. It's gonna be data driven and it's gotta show some financial, you know, um upside.
0: Yeah. Well this is what's crazy with the fire service as well, you know, and I love that phrase, don't wait for science to prove what you already know. So the I mean firstly the fact that you know any agency would need data to show that a 56-hour work week is going to be more detrimental than the 42 you know you You, need you can it. just
1: say it you can just say it and hear it and know
0: it yes without even having to live it exactly smack you on the head with a bunsen burner if you want research there you go uh, yeah. <laughs> but um but you know the the um but the other thing is I was blanking for a second the other thing is as you said all you have to do is open any sort of sleep medicine book, go to a website, whatever, and the data is there in front of you. I've had guests on from the SEAL community, the the Navy, the Air Force, the Army, the sporting world, and they all say exactly the same thing. So that's what drives me crazy. Is it's it's almost like you know you, you got to get the ostrich to pull the head out of at the sand. I mean, the data is everywhere, but it's just. I can't help but feel that no one wants to have the courage to look bad in a fiscal year, but understand that you're investing in the health of your people. And ten years from now, they'll look at you as a damn rock star. But you just you know you have to be the one that has the courage to stand up and say, "Look, stop fighting over a fifty cent raise. Let's actually start investing in our in our health, so that we're not a statistic that dies five years after retirement."
1: Right, I you know that's exactly right it just it, the it's it, it I think it will happen i really do i think it's a, it's going to be it's a slow wheel turning but the fact that you know departments like my department right right you know our last our last big cool thing that happened is we we actually have a mental health officer and we have a full time um, person who's just a counselor for our people and, um, and it was really funny because there, you know, the, the, upper brass, there was finally some people in there who embraced that, that concept and were wanting to address those things. But previous to that, it was, you know, very skeptical and very, you know, this is a, it's a traditional job with the uh, tough guy mentality. And so it was, it was not embraced, but this, I think, because now and it it was utilized the day we set we you know his first day on the job he was getting phone calls and so it's definitely a necessary a necessary um, component and I think because you know departments that have you know the courage to do that they'll they'll have the courage to take on the next the next challenge and that's going to be getting getting uh, people some some good sleep and and changing changing the schedules I don't know how or what that would look like but i think i think it's just going to be time but i think you know you can't ignore that stuff forever you can't ignore it forever all the top people are saying it like you said all those people that you listed are saying it like somebody's got to listen and somebody will be will be courageous enough to take the steps and i think there are departments that are they're they're very progressive and so i think and ours is one of them i wouldn't doubt that at some point in the future that 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 Albuquerque um, moves to something like that, with the intention of getting getting our frontline workers more you know, a, a more um, equitable schedule for their health, uh, at least putting their health on yeah, putting their health on on the front burner. Because if you have you know you're only as strong as your weakest link, and I think you know time is showing that that grinding our people out is it leads to a lot. I mean. A lot of a lot of you know at the end at the at the bottom a lot of money but a lot of a lot of personal stories where people you know these are people that could, that didn't have to go down these roads um and so i think i think we'll see it but it's gonna be hard it's gonna be a long a long time and a hard battle
0: yeah well that's the yeah. one the purpose of this pod- podcast so it's just to to get what i call educate and angry once our men and women truly understand the impact of the shifts, then if enough of us stand up, I think we can push in. I don't think it even has to be a slow process. We just have to all band together, you know, but yeah. um, right. shifting the focus side, I kind of just want to stay on this topic, but with a different lens just for a moment. Um, from the strength and conditioning side, you know, one thing I've heard from more so from the the less professional departments is, oh, this is the fit guys always get hurt. And when you enter sleep medicine world and you look at – you know how, after a workout, we heal and grow, and, and as you said, even process trauma. That again is during sleep. So, in even though it's coming from a bad place, and they're just trying to stop you doing your job, so you can be a slob like them. Um, you know, there there is an element of truth to that. So, with you having the strength and conditioning lens, and have worked with with you know non-tactical athletes, what is what have you learned about the the lack of rest and recovery and sleep and, you know, the, the higher rate of injury or lower rate of athletic performance?
1: Well, I can always use myself as a model uh, for that because I would train really hard and I would not get the rest and recovery that I needed. Um, so I'd get probably mediocre results. Um, I could have probably, you know, been a lot stronger, um, I could have rehabbed out of that, um, um, vehicle accident that I was in uh, years ago, uh, probably faster if I had, you know, because that's when, you know, the the magic happens of recovery is when you're sleeping. And I think, you know, because I missed a lot of sleep, it probably just took a lot longer, um, uh, to get there. So, um, I think that, um, The, 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 the tough part to, to, it's a weird, I think it's a weird cross-section of population to observe because knowing that we have to be fit for this job, they're going the, that, that population, that segment that's going to do that is going to do that. And they're going to do it hard and they're going to condition and they're going to act as if they're getting full, full recovery. And some are, you know, some people, you know, like the the people that, that have uh the you know the opportunity to go home and get the get their days off sleep and get rested and stay on schedule, they're gonna have a better chance at that. But that's not everybody. The thing is the, the group is so determined, you know, they know they need to be fit. So they're gonna be fit and they're gonna act as if, right? And I think they're it's not um it's not a good cross-section of people to study because I mean the tactical people, because they're super driven for their, for their sport and they're going to hide and compensate. And you know, a lot of these guys, and I don't know if you noticed, but they live on pre-workout. They depend on pre-workout or caffeine. I was a caffeine. I was a coffee all day, all day, um, all day kind of guy. Um, Coffee all day, coffee all night. And you know you got it out, you grind it out, so i it's hard to hard to observe this group and and see what the results of that are. But if you take a civilian population and that aren't accustomed to to having um to living with sleep deprivation and and figuring out a way to function, you give them a hard workout and put them on a program like that and take away their sleep it they're they're ruined. so I mean again, we don't have to we don't ha- we don't need scientific data. For that, right? <laughs> we just know it, and so it's uh, it's 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 a strange group of people to observe for that because they're just driven. They know what they know what they need to do. They have to show up to do it. They need a certain body and level of strength and and uh, focus and and performance level to do it. And they're going to do it, hell or high water, right? They're going to do it, and so um, and they're going to do everything in their power. You know, if it is living on caffeine or pre workout or Red Bulls or whatever else they are going to do. Um, they're going to do it. And there are all those, there are all those uh, gifted few that can, can make it happen and, and actually get the recovery and get the growth and get the um, cellular repair. But it's also, you know, the median group is also young also. So they have youth on their side, which is also a good thing for I mean, Good or bad, I, I guess depends on how you look at it. Good. If you're them, bad, if you're looking at it from a, from a, from an overall standpoint, they're not doing themselves any service. But it's the job, and you have to, you know, that's what you got to do.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that just lines up, and I'll wrap up this kind of sleep deprivation topic. But I think that's it. If we keep working the way, the way that we do, then it needs to be viewed as a military. Do four or eight years, and you get out before it really does you any damage. But if we're going to want the Czar Hortons of the world, so someone with decades of experience that can really you know, be a huge asset on that rig and mentor – um you know, young firefighters and have that experience on a scene that might save a life, then we have to change the way we do things because our men and women are, are becoming, you know, completely deconditioned after, you know, 10 or so years. We're getting injury right. rates towards the end of the career, which that's are the, crippling people.
1: That's the problem with, with that. It has a shelf life, you know, even if you are a hard charger. I've seen some people that were <clears throat> some of the biggest, strongest, muscular guys, and they're hard charging through the... The, the midpoint of their careers, and then because of those, the the, the physical fatigue, the mental fatigue, the um, the emotional fatigue, um, some going to depression, and they're just not like what I felt like when I was going to the station house. I was telling you, I wasn't motivated to go to the weight room. I I caught it. I at least I caught it. Some guys and, and girls they don't catch it, and they just feel like, hey, I don't feel like doing this right now, and that becomes the new la- the new normal. And, you know, we lose them, you know, and they lose themselves physically. And then, I mean, that's a cycle in its own, um, like d- of depression and then lack of physical performance. And then, yes, injury prone and, you know, an involuntary career change or position change.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, an important thing when we look at the statistics. You know, it's, some, it's, it's startling as it is, but people have to remind themselves as well the diamond on – on a drill ground, day one of an academy that's not your average population. Those are some very mentally and physically resilient men and women that you've just recruited so to me, then you look at the 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 lifespan of our profession it's actually more disturbing because you're not comparing apples to apples you're taking elite performers at day one and then by the time they come out the back door they're- you know they're physically more broken than the average oh, civilian. God.
1: Yeah. Some of the, some of the really like one of the strongest guys I know he's, you know, I don't know what, and I say, you know, it, it's down to tissue repair and and repair time. Um, guys just a hammer and he's driven. And one of the strongest guys I know, and he's, you know, had ACL surgery and, and but, but nothing, he didn't have these injuries because of big things. It was just kind of daily living and doing what he was doing. And then one day his body didn't do what he wanted it to do. And I, you know, you have to attribute it to I mean you have to at least consider that it was lifestyle you know part of the part of this gig and not getting getting everything that you need
0: absolutely well you, yeah. you touched so, on yeah. on glycolytic training so that seemed like it was a more recent epiphany out of pavel so, so talk to me about that yeah, oh uh, it's just a
1: it's a nice way to train where you can get some good volume in and not do your body in and have a sustained you know life cycle uh uh, of, of training you can do some really nice programs where you are you go in and you can do 40 or 50 minutes of work and come out fresh it's really nice uh been enjoying that but i also like the occasional acid bath lactic acid bath where you go hard and and you've got it you know you've got to challenge everything and, and push um so it's you know, but you but going back and having that as a base and having you know just being smart with your you know um your rest, your rest to work ratios. Uh, because I think doing the acid bath thing, every every workout going to where you're, you know, you're, you're uh, aching and you're on your hands and knees and gasping for breath, probably not a smart thing. And then I've got to also consider, I have to consider my, my, uh, my new demographic that I'm entering. I'm not happy about it, but I have to consider it. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's good for me. Um, I think it's really honestly good for everybody. I think long, longevity wise, um, I, you, you know, it's just doing a world of service to people that train this way. Um, and, but, but definitely you need the other, you need, you need the hard charge days. You need to go after it a few times, a few times a month, that's really go at it. And, and the thing is the capacity for work goes up with this training. I mean, you can't, you do get stronger and you, you know, the, your endurance and um, work capacities go up. So it's, it's a, you can definitely get stronger while doing this type of training. It's it's there's several studies on, uh, on this training where the, the end, the other side results after these, uh, some of these training protocols, they're incredible, really incredible. So, and they're, they're not, uh, you know, the ones I've been exposed to with strong first, they're not, they're not easy. They're certainly not easy. They're tough workouts, but because of the intelligence in the design with the work to rest ratio you get to start every every set fresh and push hard and then take a sensible and uh, luxurious break in between work so it's it's really cool
0: so what, like it what kind of you know give me the example with maybe a couple of kettlebell movements and then what those sets and reps and, and rest periods would look like
1: um there's a <clears throat> a protocol that we use uh it's maybe uh it's a snatch protocol and, and you can scale these up or scale them down um but it's a heavy snatch, heavy snatch kettlebell snatch program, and you will do uh, five five snatches, and on the right side, on this particular, on this particular one, and you'll set it down, wait for the end of a thirty second period. So you're, you know, maybe it takes you ten to ten to thirteen seconds to do your your five reps, and then. Um, set it down, wait for the end of 30 seconds. And you do your, you'll do that again and again and again, then you'll take a nice two minute rest and then you'll go to the other side and you'll say, go through, uh, through four cycles of snatches on the same side. So it's very nice because you get to evaluate and critique yourself in between and you're, and you're not, you know, like scrambling and, and struggling, uh, fighting for your life. Cause you're, you're exhausted and you're trying to keep your form together. You get to, you know, you get to maintain clarity and, uh, and work on your performance and your power production and, and your breathing and uh, get another nice long rest. And then you hit it again for uh, like these two-minute cycles of, of intervals and you take a break and that, that goes on for it, you know, literally as long as you want. Um, but, you know, a, a good heavy days, um, going six to eight, eight of those cycles um, and um, getting some good numbers at the end of it, getting some really good numbers. And, and volume at the end of at the end of the training period, and that's just you know a component of of putting that together that way. So that's a that's pretty cool. The way you know we had trained previously, or I had trained previously, you're going to take that amount of you know at the end of it that amount of reps and and go ten at a time, and then switch hands and go another ten. You're going to you know you're going to be worthless for the rest of the day. What's cool about these these sessions is you can do this hard work, get this volume in, and then go on about your day. And still be fresh which is again at the very very beginning of of all of this when i met pavel he was he was training this was military training for special units that needed to be fresh and ready to go all the time so uh, again the the basic uh, philosophy of of the training system is you know train you know, uh, even multiple times a day training but training smart training hard when you're training but they're they're short and they're smart And you're always ready to go. You walk away feeling fresh and invigorated rather than feeling beat down. And and that's all all, you spent all your gas that was in the tank on your workout. But, you know, people have lives and it's a nice way to, you know, do what you need to do. Get in there, move some good weight and go on with the rest of your day. Very cool.
0: Absolutely. Well, it reminds me of the, um, the EMOM in the CrossFit world as well. And I always found that was a really good tool for a number of reasons. Firstly, it seemed like it was a good one to be able to do on shift. Um, it also fostered, you know, um efficiency and movement because you realised that that the more efficient you were, you know, the less you exhausted yourself. But I found it as well a great way of practicing breath control. When you think about we have a finite amount of air on our back, it's a really good tool to do the work and then try and deregulate your nervous system as much as you can or, or lower your, you know, your heart rate and your breathing as much right. as you can before oh, yeah. you start again.
1: Yeah, you can play with a lot of stuff with this stuff. Yeah, the EMOB stuff is is great, and that is there's there's it's in there also in that uh, in the set of training protocols. Yeah, very
0: cool. So would yeah. that be um, the kind of uh, workout philosophy that you would suggest people that were on shift working out versus, as you said, the crushing lactic acid bath that right. that you know probably <laughs> shouldn't do before the structure fire turns out.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Because leg day, I mean, you would, after leg day doing that type, that style of workout, I always said, you know, leg day and you come in the next day to shift after, after a good one, you're praying that you don't have a fire and it inevitably you would have a fire or you'd have a, a you know, a heavy, heavy rescue or something. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that as a way because you're on shift and the facility that you're training at, you know, it may have enough for you, but it's, it's definitely a way to get by shift. Um, keep your reserves, get what you need to get done physically give yourself a a nice uh, uh hormone balancing and uh, deep breathing all those things nice focus shift to focus like it 's a good nice way of, of training it's enjoyable and you're not grinding yourself out you know praying that you don't have a call because you just you know tore yourself up i mean it's good it's like and you can do this for a long time because it's it 's not like it's not uh, It's not difficult. It's just not a lactic acid bath. It's still it's still tough and challenging. And looking at people who you know wear their heart rate monitors, I had a guy last night that was the brunt in my group class. Um, We we did that for uh, about half the class. We did that style of training, and he walked out at 900 900 and something calories on his on his monitor. So it's not it's not. It's just different. It's not that it's less uh um demanding. It's just demanding in a in a better way for your for your cellular health.
0: Now, what about um exercise intensity selection depending on when you have worked? And the reason I asked that, it was actually Jeff Nichols who came on. I think he was pretty early too, probably around when when we had our conversation. Um, And it really opened my eyes to the fact that I believed in a complete facade, which was you get off shift. I'm going to go crush it at the gym so I can get rid of all this stress. And then Jeff grabs you by the lapels, you know, metaphorically, and makes you realize what an idiot you are because you're just adding stress to stress. So it really opened my eyes to, all right, you know, I don't think it was ever a good shift. So assume it was yet another shitty shift where you didn't sleep. The next morning is not the time to do Fran, Murph, you know, to practice the, you know, the, 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 uh, strong first entry snatch test, you know, whatever it is. So what is your observation on the nervous system and, um, intensity selection around your shifts?
1: Um, I would say, you know, to, to take your intensity in the middle of your time off, uh, take it up on the, in the middle of your time off, I think coming off shift and having a, like a, a mellow kind of, again, chemical balancing and deep breathing and get an opportunity just to clear your head. I think that the big thing with like having that mentality, I'm going to go crush it. It was just cause maybe, you know, maybe you saw something that, you know, humans are not supposed to see every day, every day. And, you know, you just saw another one or you just experienced another tragedy. And so what you want to do is you want to get to the gym and get this crap off your mind. And, and, you know, in, in back in those days, And it wasn't that long ago where our mental health was up to us. And so you go home and grab a beer or get ready to party that night, or you go to the gym and crush it, right. And just get it off your mind. So I think, um, being able to speak about mental health and emotional health now at least opens the door for another Avenue to address those things and just, you know, take care and be kind to your body after you just put it through, you know, 24 or 48 hours of, of, uh, of, uh, sleep deprivation, high performance, adrenaline, like rushing and adrenaline dumping into your system. Yeah. That first workout should probably not be so, so, uh, so rigorous, but definitely like it should definitely be in there. Once you get your rest back and catch up on your sleep and quote unquote, catch up on your sleep, uh, get rested, (laughs) get rested. And then, then, you know, go hit those workouts, go hit the hard ones. I'm definitely not not against hard workouts um, by any means. Like you should definitely do that. Keep the body challenged. Keep it, keep it, uh, keep yourself challenged. Keep, keep uh, the tissues loaded, um, but definitely not after shift. And then the other thing is like if whatever style of, of training you're doing again, like that heavy, heavy load before, before going into shift, I don't know that that's in your best interest, but definitely sometime on your days off, but everybody's schedules, I mean, across the country are different. So, I mean, they And everybody's figured some strategies, but I think the purpose of those, the intent behind those crushing workouts immediately after shift was to, to for some emotional, um, you know, change of focus. So I think um, people just looking, looking at the fact that, that it's okay to speak to a counselor or get some counseling and those things are, you know, can be part of everyday conversation now uh if they're integrating that then they don't have to have that mentality to do that and so they can have a kinder fresher re-entry into days off
0: absolutely well with you know conversely when what value do you place on and you kind of touched on it before but on those pain cave days those nasty um you know uh suck fests for lack of a better word because in my yeah, you know, through my lens, I'm like that is a great way of kind of um, replicating a worst day fire, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up being. And, you know, and when you're deep into it and you want to tap out and you you want to throw up and you can't cool down, that's a real gut check. So, right, you know, what's your view on on having those built into you know every few weeks, whatever it is, and then also how do you put yourself through that kind of uh, intensity?
1: The, I those are good to have. Because you do, you do need those 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 challenges to make you go go on, you know, uh, go through it, work through it when you want it when you want to give up, and uh, and to train, con- train and continue to train yourself to drive and push forward. So I think those are, um, I when I for mine, I like I like double heavy double kettlebell workouts. Um, those are the you know like the cornerstone. Some good good heavy getups. A lot of like. Double clean jerks, double swings, double snatches, um, but heavy cleans, um, heavy double cleans are are the one that can, that are always the ones to get it for me. And and the jerks, those are, those are just lovely. And then throwing in some other components, maybe some um, jump rope, just really pushing, getting, getting, getting everything really challenged. uh, But then, you know, like, at the end of the rest cycle like really having to focus to suck it up to get the next one going so uh being smart about it so you don't get hurt but definitely pushing pushing um yeah i value those highly and they should definitely be part of uh of your of your month now sure
0: does albuquerque have um annual fitness standards that you have to pass every year
1: there are is a fitness kind of check-in so we do uh, blood pressure, uh, VO2 max. Uh, there was some strength tests and like vertical jump and that kind of stuff. But it was none of it was ever punitive, and it was is really uh, more of a uh, kind of uh, alert to our fitness staff of trainers and self awareness for the for the firefighter to know where they were. And it's also nice when you, it, you know, it is an annual thing. So you can compare yourself to last year. So you can always, uh, it's nice to know where you are. And so it was, a <clears throat> not a standard, but it was a, an, a, it's, it's an annual check-in, uh, to make sure. And then if, you know, guys are off the, off their trajectory, then we can uh, provide training for them or give them some, some direction either, um, you know, with nutrition, uh, or conditioning, strength and conditioning, uh, or get to the root of the problem. Cause there's some guys that suddenly go, you know, they're the life of the party and they suddenly go quiet and their physique starts changing. And, you know, if we see them during that, that annual process, we can actually, um, pull them aside and see what we can do. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to have in place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what does that look like? Because that's, that's quite rare, as you know, for, for a lot of departments. And I want to get to kind of, you know, annual, annual testing. But, um, right. when you talk about the fitness stuff, so, so, you know, what you have someone you identify, they definitely are, you know, off the trajectory, trajectory, as it were, what does that, what resources does that person have available to them?
1: In our department, we have the, uh, pure fitness trainers. We also have, now we have, um, peer counselors for, you know, dealing with, you know, because some guys still, and that's okay. Um, there's a stigma to mental health. And so um, they don't want to go to a quote unquote counselor, but they will uh, reach out to guys that they know are on the staff of, of trained personnel that are peer to peer counselors. Um, so those are the resources we have. We have the, we have the peer fitness. We have a good training facility. Every station has a gym. And so um, they can get programming um so those, I mean, those two things are actually really huge and uh, kind of very progressive in the, you know, in the traditional um, and traditional the fire service. So it was very cool that Albuquerque was ahead on that at the forefront. We modeled ourselves after <clears throat> some progressive departments that were into like Phoenix. Phoenix was our first, one of our first models in the like progressive recognizing health and wellness as, as a huge player in the, um, again, at the end of the day, uh, saving. On injuries and uh, and sick leave abuse and uh, people self medicating and going off the rails, so um, we invested in that side of things. So we have a staff of of pure fitness trainers and and pure uh, like uh, trained in you know just the, like
0: Peer support first
1: level of yeah peer support yeah first yeah. level of counseling sure
0: beautiful well so with that I mean obviously you you, you guys are definitely on that path. Um, I think one of the most misunderstood elements is, you know, the the special operations community, even lifeguarding you know, with their hold to a national t- standard that, you know, that you have to pass. And if you are a SEAL and you can't pass, then you, you know, you transition out. But police, fire, EMS, you know, we're not. So what is your... Just your, your view on that, you know, to me, it feels like if that was in place, not only would the hiring practices probably attract a slightly higher physical, mental performer, but it would be very hard, I think, then to start sliding down. Now, this is also simultaneously addressing the environment, sleep deprivation shifts, all that stuff. But from the strength conditioning lens, what is your view on an actual standard that is punitive, not that you introduce and fire everyone that can't pass it that day, but, you know, given a two, three year on ramp, but, you know, you set a standard in the first responder profession.
1: I think, you know, being a health and fitness guy, my whole, my whole life, I, I was amazed that there wasn't one in place for these incredibly demanding careers. Uh, It's in, it's in everybody's best interest. It's in everybody's best interest. The individual, you know, at the forefront of that line of who it's important for, um, it being punitive, and dealing with <clears throat> labor unions has been the kind of the, the stumbling block for that. Uh, so then, the the work the workaround was, you know, having a, a, a the fitness check in. I would, you know, I would like to see that because, and not, you know, not in a not in not in a punitive way, but in a way that motivates everybody to um, stay fit and stay focused on that um, particular aspect of the job. And then if things are not going well in that, that it's an early catch and we can address those things uh, for people. Um, we've had a yeah, guy who was 42 years old, picture of health. And I I can't think of anything other than the lifestyle of this job of why this kid had a heart attack on the job. And uh, um just, it was amazing to me because he, he really was uh, picture of health. He's back in working order. He's fine and great, but he he had an episode and it, it made me sad. Um, so I do think for, for a lot of, a lot of those reasons, not just there should be a standard, not out of nowhere. It's in everybody's best interest. It's in the administration's best interest. It's in the public's best interest. It's in the individual's best interest. Um, that there are standards in these types of um, careers. I mean, they're, you know, the 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 private sector EMS, I think they're leading leading the charge in back injuries because there's no, I mean, 200, 300, 400-pound patients, no matter what your fitness level is, they're still going to be 200, 300, 400 pounds. And if you're not trained or not training and you're, and you're you know, sedentary, um, or even semi-sedentary and not fit, coming off to lift these people, you're setting yourself up for failure for one of these. So I think that you know that definitely should be, and I could, I just could never understand why it wasn't. But um, when you come from that background, it's it's easy to want that but when you don't. Um, and you know the people that you know sometimes are in those positions of power um, to lobby against it they're going to win. And so I think as time goes on and we see these things, you know, for what they are and what they're doing and the potential upside, uh, hopefully, you know, these things will get some, some ground and, and, and be part of those services. I don't know. Yeah. Tough one.
0: Yeah. And this again, that's the beautiful thing is I get this, you know, 10,000 foot lens and I, and I've worked for, you know, four departments. So I've been East coast, I've been West coast and, you know, I've seen a common denominator, which is, um the sometimes the pushback is from the unions and the unions are the ones that are supposed to represent us the unions are the ones that are supposed to you know firstly i think the work week was like union 101 isn't that the most basal thing is is the work week but you know this the the concept that we're trying to give our men and women a long and fruitful retirement if we're not talking about shifts, you know, the, the, the work week, if we're not talking about fitness standards, not only, as you said, are we, you know, more of a liability on the fire ground, you're, you're basically working against it. So I never understood how, apart from just pure self serving of some deconditioned union members that are scared that they're going to be held to the same standard, how we went from a tactical profession that that uh is revered by the seals the pjs the green berets of the world and yet we're working against the very things that are actually going to keep our men and women healthy
1: All right it's just that big it's just that big stumbling block uh, of that of overcoming that the things that you mentioned um if it's it's frustrating because it, it is in the in the bigger picture it is in the in the interest of the members but it's that it, it's it's also and i think and my my the punitive i'm talking about is not i mean definitely like getting them rehabbed up so that they they still have a career and i think in catching i think early catch is the is the is the key so that everybody's savable and i think by having something in place like that you know that's and doing everything, you know, in our power as a, as a service to, to get those people back on track before we, before they do themselves um, harm. And it happens a lot. As you know, you've seen, you've seen uh, firefighters and and police officers, especially that don't have those regulations. They, I mean, police officers have to qualify shooting per year on a semi or maybe even quarterly basis, but the fitness aspect and, 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 the number one, you know, killer of a lot of firefighters is, is the heart attack, still to this day. And so I I would like to see that in place. I don't, you know, I'm certainly not trying to, yeah, you know, I wouldn't advocate for anybody losing their job because they're not fit, but I definitely would see that they get on a mandatory program and have, you know, some type of timeline to get themselves because if you went through the academy, you're certainly capable of doing it. 20 years is is a long time, but it's not a long time. Also, yeah. And it's and it's in your best interest uh to keep yourself, you know, as fit as possible. So I think some but some people because of because of the nature of these jobs, you know, they get out of it mentally. And so it's nice to have maybe some some guidance and a, a nudge back back in the line. I've mulled over this for my whole career. And so it's 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 I just there's there's no good answer. I mean, I mean there is, but then it's you know, like you don't want it. you don't want, you don't want to lose your brothers and sisters also. And so it's like, it's got to be something that's phased in. And then it's just the way it is for, for the, for the newer generation. So it doesn't affect, you know, like, you know, in 10 years, this is the way it's going to be and phase it in. I think that's the way to do it. And so that it doesn't affect anybody Because I'm never for anybody losing their job, I, you know, alternate assignments and alternate duty and light duty. Those are, you know, those are ways around those, but uh, I think punitive to a degree. Uh, but definitely should be able to and you know, should be accountable to be able to do the fire ground work or the you know rescue ground work um, when called upon without being a risk to yourself, to the public or to your teammates. And um, it is important. And so I think that the answer to that is phasing it in to a point where there's a generation that that's just the way it is and that's the way it's going to be for your whole career and and it's starting this way so you know when you sign on for this 20 years or 25 years that every year you're going to have an age-based gender-based um standard that you've got to hit and based on whatever the current the current research says you should be able to do you should be able to do this and so um and they're not and they're the ones we were using were from the uh well, the first round, when I first, when I was first, you know, young in the department, they were using the Cooper Institute standards. Those are not tough. Those are very doable, very doable. Um, and so, I think that it, it's it's got to be a phase in anyway. Blah yep. blah blah.
0: No, but no, <laughs> but, but it's an important conversation because people don't normally have it because they're so worried about you know that. Yeah. And I think that's just it. It's not about headhunting anyone who you know isn't able to do the job no. but the re- the reality is like in florida our fire academy is named minimum standards it's in the fucking name so right off the bat there's no misconception <laughs> when you enter the, the this is like all the stuff you did in the tower that's oh, no that's the minimum so everything else needs to grow from there um but yeah but the other thing as well is that whether someone came in and maybe you know wasn't the right fit, maybe their body's broken down. Like you said, there's fire prevention, there's all the other things, but we have to remind ourselves of the core concept. And I like using this question. How would you feel if your family died because the responder- I know
1: what you're going to (laughs) say. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, say it.
0: How would you feel if your family died because the responder hadn't trained? Would you be bending over backwards to protect that deconditioned firefighter or police officer, or would you be mourning your family? That's what it boils down to. We're not plumbers, we're not electricians, we're not teachers, we're firefighters. And we are, we take an oath to swear that we will be in, you know, that the, we will have the ability physically and mentally to perform to the best. And none of us are, I'm by no means the strongest, fastest, anything. I'm, you know, Mr. Middle, but I'm the best version of myself that I can be with the body that, you know, I was given. But That's why I it's always a team
1: sport. Exactly. It's a team sport.
0: Exactly. But so where is that line between, again, accountability and, and definitely giving when you create a standard, giving people time to get back to that. But where do you draw the line? And we all know them. We all know the people that God forbid, if you had to go up a high rise, you know, wherever it was, I know people that can't even put their mask on without freaking out. And they wear the badge that you and I wear. You know, that's unacceptable to me. So we have to understand that we're not, you know, the territorial army in in, in the UK, the, the weekend warriors. We are the SEALs, the PJs. You know, we're the ones when someone calls 911, if you don't need an arrest to happen, we're everything else. That's it. You're hanging off the side of the bridge in your car. You're in a plane that's crashing to a tree. You know, you're, you're, your son or daughter's school has been attacked by some maniac we're it, you know, we're the ones that have to go in, you know, if it's not specifically a law enforcement position and, and, you know, also law enforcement. So to, to kind of pussyfoot around the physical ability element, I think is doing a huge disservice, not only to our longevity, but our ability to affect a rescue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well said.
0: <laughs> it, it really, I mean, really
1: at the end of the day, we, there's a strength and endurance component to this, to this job that is it's not nine to five it's not desk stuff which is you know there's you know everybody's cut out to do something and so if you choose to be cut out if you're if you take this path and there should be certain expectations that you that you assume for your whole career and my I had this goal you know going in um after i realized that i was going to be around for a while doing this. I thought it was, I didn't know what I was getting into when I got into it. When I, when I was 21, I didn't think I'd be around for 20 years. That's for sure. It sounded like such a long time when I was, when I was 21 and it flew by, but one of the the decisions I made is that I was going to be, uh, when I left, I was going to be pretty close to, if not in Academy shape when I left, I don't think I was quite there, but I was, I wasn't, I was trainable. At least I was trainable to get there. So, um, it's uh, it's it's something that should be clear in the indoctrination of of the young firefighters when they're in this that they, that it's on them, it's on them to maintain that. But it's also should be you know systematically part of the part of the machine to 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 catch early catches, save them, and get them back out there um, because we you know we have it you know our calling is to serve the public and if we're doing that in, in a way that's going to be injurious to ourselves or to team members it's going to you know it's going to cost money to administrations and we're going to you know we're going to lose people and we may not be as effective in serving the public there's 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 many aspects that 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 are going to suffer uh, from just not addressing this one aspect so like you said to pussyfoot around it and act like it's an option is um is crazy
0: absolutely so with the transition out to get to, to what you're doing now, tell me about, uh, KBX, you know, and what, what does post fire life look like for you from here on in?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I feel like I'm on <laughs> vacation. So yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I, with my business partners, closed the gym down right before COVID, which was very lucky for us. We just made the decision that it was time. And, uh, so during the time, uh, shortly after that, I, I got the bug to train again, to train people. I just love, I love training people. I love teaching people. I love sharing kettlebell stuff with people, body weight, barbell. I love it. I love it all. And I love, you know, getting to see people. That was my, it was part of, you know, part of my therapy, honestly, when I was, I was a medic for 17 years and, you know, a big thing for me when I was training people was, you know, I see people on their worst day when I'm at work and then I get to see people get to their best day, um, when I'm training, you know, training them, they get to, you know, they get these new, these cool life changes and, you know, new achievements and new, new levels of fitness and and strength. So that was cool for me. Um, and I just really grew to love training people. So I caught that bug. Um, so I found, uh, I found this little gym I rent space out of it. He had some kettlebells. I brought some of mine that I kept from, from behind, uh, from, from our uh, previous facility. So I went to the storage unit I've got a, hundreds of bells sitting around doing nothing. So, <laughs> so I grabbed a few of them and I have them down there now. And so, um, doing, you know, doing more personals and, and it, I don't have to, what the cool thing is I don't have to, I can be more consistent for people because uh, I have two group classes every week on the same days and same time slots. Um, before it was just such a juggle with, with the, uh, fire schedule, uh, I couldn't be real consistent with people they had to be you know if they wanted to train with me, they had to be you know flexible with me on, on the on the schedule. Now I can be consistent and and have people on the same same time slots every week, which is very cool and building building the the group classes back up so it's really it's fun it's fulfilling it, it, it satisfies that that part of me that that likes to help people um that's a big part of, of apparently uh, I've, I've found over the years that i really enjoy helping people i love watching success stories i love watching people do you know go through their journey i love being part of it and uh and uh it's just it's just a good it's good it's good fun for me it's good um just feels like that's what i'm supposed to do
0: well speaking of helping people i saw you post a little while ago about a little girl named ava so oh, talk to yeah. me about her.
1: I love Ava. She's my she's my little I love her. She's my little ray of sunshine. I've been working with Ava uh since she was eight. She's 15 now. Um it's just just like if I had one coaching, like if I did all the education of coaching, because I really, you know, I did a lot of these things I did to to make my kids better athletes and to make myself a better athlete in the early days. And and there's like one reason that I got, you know, pursued all the education and, and things here'd be to, to have these, this moment and this transition with Ava. Um, this is one of my favorite people in the world. I work with her twice a week and um, was, um, her dad's a, her dad's a, a firefighter or was he's retired now. Um, and you know, we we're friends and he asked me to if I would, you know, take a look at, at working with his daughter. And it took a while for us to get together and then we and we finally did. And um we got some really f- cool phenomenal changes. I used the, the core principles of strong first, but I used a lot of uh, um some some of the corrective theory from FMS and I used a lot of the um brain like brain body connection, neuroplasticity stuff from Z Health and was able to kind of blend all these things together in a way I w- it was um, things that I knew worked but putting together in a way that was um, usable for her and accessible to her um, and my goal is just to make her strong because she 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 w- her parents were told that she would never have a normal life like not be able to balance not be able to run or walk or jump or any of these things but we we're f- dispelled all of those um, she does rock climbing and snowboarding now so um, to be part of that is just the most rewarding thing as a coach um, I could ever ask for. Um, it was cool. It's cool. I've trained some cool. Like I've gotten to work with the highest level. You know, I got to you know teach John Jones kettlebells, and I've gotten you know work with pro fighters. Fun, cool, right? That's fun. It's awesome. But I've also like working with Ava is like it just brings my heart this openness and happiness. Uh, it's really really cool. Um, just to see um, you know, her parents' reactions to her, her new strength gains, it just, it, it makes me, uh, it makes me really happy. It makes me, yeah, it's, it's very rewarding as a coach. And, uh, so yeah, like I said, if, if that's, if that's the ultimate reason why I took all this education and and all these, all these classes and courses and certs and, and, um, put it all together for this moment with her, um, that's, it's all worth it. It's really cool as a coach to get to do that. She's a, she's a very special uh, little girl. Very cool. Yeah. She has, uh, she's autistic uh, for people that didn't see the story. She's autistic. And um, apparently the doctors did not have uh, a very good outlook for what the course of her life would be like. And her parents very um, grounded and really like realist and they're like, no, we don't accept that. And they treat her normally. They expect you know, they expect high level of output from her, and um, because they put those demands, she she is she goes to school and does really well. She's she's a great great little. She's just blossomed into a really cool little teenager. is this need to watch the whole thing. But yeah, her parents just refused to to buy into any of the what the the medical people were telling her. So they've been, you know, her whole life, you know, seeking. You know, for answers and for things to, to do. And I, I got to I got to get onto the uh, in, in that path and be part of it. So it's been really cool. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Well, firstly for people who yeah. can't see your face is yeah. just lit up the whole time. So I mean that speaks volumes. But I think that's that's a unique perspective we get. As you said, you were a medic as well. You get to see, you know, behind the curtain as it were, you know. And sadly the way that health is kind of set up in this country. Um, yeah. you know, we're the one, we're the last face they see as we stick a chew down their throat and defibrillate them. And, and then that's it. You get to see my ugly face as the last thing before you go to wherever is next. But then as a coach, it's proactive and you get to see the adaptive community. I had, uh, Nick Nikic on the show, who's the, uh, young man with Down syndrome that just did the Ironman. His parents oh, are wow. the same thing. Yeah. I mean, just so many phenomenal people here. So, you know, it's, it's sad that. You know, I mean, COVID is a perfect example. Just keep the fast food places open and shut the gyms. Yeah, great fucking idea. Unreal,
1: unreal, man. I just, yeah, I don't go start on that.
0: <laughs> but, uh, oh, but, nah. but to see what happens in these gyms. I mean, just in in my my gym. You know, um, one of our wheelchair athletes was at the uh, Wheel World, World Games. I think she ended up like eighth or something. Um, you know, just some of the success stories of people that were very heavy that lost a bunch of weight. Some of the older people that had very little strength and mobility that are now running spartan race races yeah, i love it it's yeah, incredible it's so cool. i
1: just love to watch those transitions man it just really is so cool to just watch people you know make a decision get determined do the work get the reward and then you know their lives change it's really really cool i just freaking love that stuff man
0: yeah well i think it's why right. it's important that our community tells more stories and that's why i wrote the book last year was i'm not like i said an expert in anything but i mean firstly i've been very lucky to by that point have four years of conversations like this so i'm a perpetual student but you forget as a first responder that you see what most people don't see so you see if something is working and people are getting healthier or you see if you know people are getting richer and meanwhile people are getting sicker and dying you know so i think you know by conversations like this and responders actually you know just talking about what they see um we can kind of take away some of the facade that for example you can be horrendously overrate, but as long as you take your blood pressure pills, you're going to be just fine. As you and I both know, now you're looking at an Englishman and then you're dead. So, so right. you know, I mean, these is so important, but then conversely, hearing these amazing success stories, excuse me, success stories in. Chiropractic, osteopathic, functional medicine, gyms, you know, nutrition, um, you know, and, and how that's fostering so much help. And then we can allow the medical community to do what they do really well, which is trauma right. and some of these other right. areas.
1: Right. Yeah. It definitely, definitely has a place, but, but to, uh, tell somebody, you know, take this medication and you'll be fine. That's not, that's not helping. It's just prolonging. And, and I'm just, uh, yeah, it's so frustrating, but I love, I love the good stories and I would love, you know, the, the, the place where Western medicine is really good. It's really good. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, some eyes are opening, which is cool. Some eyes are opening and some, you know, studies that show that they're undeniable. Um, and so they're, they're, you know, if we can get these things to be more popular and, and they can figure out a way to monetize them, uh, (laughs) <laughs> we might be talking about some stuff here, but meanwhile, we're going to keep grinding in the gyms and, and, you know, ho- hopefully getting to witness some of these great stories and, and, you know, uh, figure out, you know, to, how to attract the people that, that are, you know, on the fence or, or don't think they, they have access or uh, ability to, you know, just get a, get a taste of that and start believing in themselves and make some, some cool, cool changes in their lives. Um, yeah. And they're, and you know like what's cool is now like like you said the the chiropractic community is starting to talk to the the movement community and we start you know once you fix it can we keep it fixed and and those i like these bridges are starting to form which is really it's cool cool to watch and be part of
0: absolutely well i want to one more little area and then go to some some closing questions but you mentioned john jones do you work with greg jackson and those guys quite a bit then
1: not not anymore for for a time when i had my my bigger gym i uh i was train. i trained the first person i trained was uh, the dean you remember the dean of me and keith jardine yeah yeah He was one of the first guys i trained which was very cool and i got to um um train uh clay guida and so i got to know those guys uh greg and and uh wink the coaches over there and uh they liked what i was doing with some of their guys And i trained some other some other people for shorter shorter stints and then uh just a few years ago I trained with john just gave him an intro to kettlebells and then he was doing his comeback i i got him in a a good intro and then he went back to his uh kind of previous training camp and and that was cool to just be part of he's a he's a cool guy um and so um but on a regular basis, do I work with, with Greg Jackson and, and, and Winkle John? No, I don't. But um, I know them, and I think I, I, I'm always curious to, to uh, see. I would like to take somebody that they think could, would do really well if they were just stronger. I'd like to take that subject, you know, take that fighter on a 12-week, you know, kind of hiatus from, from what they're doing uh, strength-wise and, and put them on a program. Uh, that we use for for some of these other fighters and see see what would happen. It'd be it'd be a cool experiment, but that's just kind of in my head.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, that'd be great. I actually had Greg on the the show, and because he works with um, uh, Deliver Fund, so the um, anti-human trafficking you know organization. Yeah, he's
1: a good he's a good guy, like right, Greg.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, one last quick topic before we we move to the the closing. What about nutrition again, not exact things, but just just kind of principles, philosophies what are the the things that you like personally and or um have you f- have found well with the diverse spectrum of um genotypes and phenotypes that exist on planet earth?
1: Well, I think when it boils down to kind of just ballparking nutrition, and I did you know i i I promised myself that I would start pursuing more nutritional. Uh, information because it was the kind of the the one thing like I said I was getting away with eating every you know whatever and I knew enough general nutrition to to set my students in in the right direction you know moderation of everything but right, whole raw foods are always you know going to be the way to go it's expensive to eat well and I think that's a, I heard I heard a thing you, you know you can have you can have it Good, fast, and cheap, but you can't have all three. You're either gonna, you, you know, it's some combination. So if it's gonna be cheap, it's not gonna be, um, it's not gonna be that good for you. So, um, it, it costs a little bit of money, and that's I think a, a big curveball for a lot of people. Um, but, um, micronutrient health is is kind of something that I'm looking into more and more now. Like trace mineral, trace minerals have always been big to me, so I've, I've kind of always not supplemented a whole lot. Um, well, I experimented with like creatine back in the day, which was awesome. I love that, but I didn't, I can't do it forever. So I remember having amazing gains with that. I was like, wow, this is great. But supplementation, I've really not done a whole lot other than, you know, um, multivitamins and, um, essential, like the trace, trace minerals and essential amino acids and BCAAs. That's about it for me. But, um, you know, I think, you know, intelligent amounts of, of, of meat, you know, red chicken, turkey, beef, mostly I like beef the most, um, you know, in moderation throughout the week. Um, and I'll do a whole lot of carbs. They're just, just kind of the way I've, I've, I've done it. And I didn't know. I also, I think the big thing for me was, um, I just because of the way the schedule was and the way I operated, I kept myself very busy, come off shift and go start training. I was on accident living a lot of my life intermittent in intermittent fasting. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it was a thing. But but that's what I was that's what I was doing essentially. So um I, I embraced that concept and I'm going to structure it for myself for my future kind of pursuit right now. I know that the the key honestly I know the key to a lot of stuff is nutrition sleep and nutrition and um, so that's what I'm I'm really after in a big way right now because I've got you know I've got the I've got the fitness thing I've got those routines I've got those you know I've got that pathway map that I do that but what I didn't what I wasn't doing in a really disciplined way was addressing my nutrition so I'm um, figuring out the right combination of fats the proper fats uh, it's not a bad word a brain uh, and eating for brain health and nervous system health and, uh, those are the big ones for me because, because of the sleep deprivation and the fogginess, I'm like really trying to go after the foods that are, um, um, kind of like that, uh, lend to brain health and nervous system health. And, you know, at the cellular level, that's where I'm, I'm really going going after nutrition right now. I'm regulating the sleep so that the nutrients can be absorbed hydration, which was never I was such a bad hydrator my whole life. So that's another one. That's another, uh, thing that I've, I'm going to address. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I'm headed with, uh, nutrition and, and seeking nutrition, um, information at the cellular level, really focusing on brain health, uh, and gut health, the big, you know, everybody's everybody's talking about the, 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 uh, the, uh, the gut health thing. And I've known about it for a long time. I just, just ignored it for a long time. And so now I have the opportunity to without having to adjust, readjust, go eat at the station and come off and try and eat quote unquote eat right and then go back to the station. I actually can have a nice sustained, you know, timeline for really addressing addressing this stuff and, and really getting that uh, online with the rest of my with the rest of my health and wellness. So.
0: beautiful. No, it's good to hear and it's funny with the intermittent, you know, I think that we do you know, we do an element of that, but I think the problem is when you're running calls all night and you go to the hospital and there's an EMS lounge and you grab a, you know, peanut butter and jelly, whatever those called, crustables and, sure. you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it yeah. screws you up. But I found, you know, I switched where I used to, you know, eat on the drive to the station. And now I wake up, I have, I have, uh, coffee and black coffee with sugar. So it's not like a true, true fast, but my gut's still empty and then work out. I'm not normally eating till 11 or 12 now. Right. I love That's it. what I
1: do. That's yeah, me too. I think it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, I was listening to a guy. It's like breakfast is, was invented, you know, it was an invented meal. And so I think, uh, you know, waiting till 11 or 12, um, is fine. It's not going to kill you. And uh, I think that we perform better, you know, uh, actually like with more clarity. Um, in those morning hours, without without uh, having to, because I get tired. I mean, and I, I it may be just a pattern, but I get tired after I eat, and so I don't like to you know have breakfast and then be tired. I don't like that, so I'll just wait for the first meal, and that's okay. I'm good with that, and uh, try to uh, I'm a, a bit of a snacker at night, so that's one thing I can you know if I shut it down by and and again, this is like trying to get my bedtime. Like if I'm in bed by midnight right now I'm doing well, that's <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I'm still trying to, and I've been a night owl my whole life. And so I'm really trying to, trying to dial that back, but it's, a, it is a, it's going to be my battle and trying to, trying to shut down the snacking a little earlier. And uh, I think those, those actually would, just those simple, simple little things like that actually will go a, a long way for people. Uh, if they start just looking at their, their, the eating window of the day and uh, and, and just really, Cause we do so many like unconscious, you know, snacking or, you know, ordering this or that, or eating this or that by the time you, especially in, in our industry, you know, in firefighting, you, you'll eat. And you'll be amazed, amazed. You just finished that plate. And, you know, it's like, what did I eat? Did I eat? That's, that's crazy. So really being really a little more uh, mindful of
0: uh, mindful eating
1: these, these, these buzzwords are killing me
0: but i really to be more mindful of your eating my present um, with my lettuce of what you're putting in yeah
1: <laughs> so so yeah i like really just watching it and, and trying to keep keep the stuff in it. and like one of the best things that is really easy um i found for a nice detox was like the rules of the whole 30 program you know if it comes in a box you don't get to eat it if it's you know processed you don't get to eat it so that takes a bunch of stuff off the table. And it's a really cool, cool way to, I was, I was prepping, like mentally preparing to do a whole 30 and I dropped seven pounds. I didn't think I had seven pounds to drop. It was crazy. I was just getting ready to do it and I, I dropped weight. So um, it was, it was pretty crazy. I really didn't think I had that much to, to lose. So it was, it was a pretty cool, uh, cool thing. Like whole 30 is a cool place for somebody to start. who's Who's wondering like what I should do, what I should do. I I like whole thirty. It's a it's a good it's a good one. And then, you know, you do it for thirty days and see where you're at and you can start reintegrating things or you can just scrap the whole thing if you didn't like it and go back to what you're doing. But um yeah, so yeah, nutrition was a weak part of my my whole thing. So I'm definitely on a on a quest right now um to, to do that.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, we'll get, just get better at that.
1: Get better at that.
0: Absolutely. Well, you said about it being expensive, and I think that's the sad thing is well, I have one of my guests, Terence, who lives up in the mountains in Canada, and he says he grows his own food because he can't afford to buy food from right? the store right. so food should yeah. actually be super cheap, healthy food you it know but be. you know obviously oh, no. not, we can 't all have home gardens, but if we subsidize. The local farmers that aren't covering the food and chemicals, maybe healthy food will be cheaper. And also, you know, the, the prescription costs. How much do you spend? I mean, you don't, but how much do less than healthy people spend? Well, imagine if that money went into good food and you never even got sick in the first place.
1: Right. And there's a, it's a thing, you know, with people with trainers like, oh, I can't afford this. And there's, you know, like you, you pay now or you pay later. You're going to pay hospital bills later. Or you're going to pay pres- bills later so it's just a matter of of where you want to spend your money and and your quality of life that you want so you got to work a little bit to get to get the the good the good stuff you might have to go to the local you know uh weekend mart Mm -hmm. markets farmers farmers. like you said yeah farmers market and stuff like that you gotta, gotta do a little bit of work but you know if it's important to you then you'll do it and we know that you know anything that's important to somebody they will They'll make it a priority or at least put it on the front burner of things.
0: So, Absolutely. Have you heard of the supplement yeah. company Thorn? No. Okay. So it's funny, a lot of people haven't. Um they they're actually one of the sponsors of the show now. I went to them. I went to them. It wasn't that they I was solicited or anything, but they actually started in the medical space, in the nutrition space. So they're not just, you know, creatine and protein. They started with the micronutrients that you were talking about but they've had some really good products um they just came out with one that's actually helping a lot of um athletes with TBI so I'm I'm going to start taking that to oh, see really? yeah because I mean I'm still yeah. suffering from some some brain fog stuff but they have nootropics they have them you know great great um multivitamin um so I highly recommend looking at them i mean they've been okay. around for oh, yeah. like 50 years now so they're not kind of a bandwagon okay, so supplement okay, company great excellent is that thorn with an e or just thrown? with an e yes yeah so if you punch that and they're actually now they became the official supplement with the crossfit community they're the only supplement trusted in uh, the ufc so um but again you know it's it's like there's another company beaver fit that makes uh, strength and conditioning equipment yeah. i love them and a lot, yeah. very few people have heard yes. them too so
1: yeah i know my buddy just uh, yeah he he actually works for them i'm 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 hoping to uh to uh, learn more about them I, I hung out with their um, I won a, a trade show I was presenting at a at a uh, Nca um, convention and hung out with the the beaver fit people they were very cool cool product cool cool philosophy cool everything I, I dig their stuff very cool and who's your I friend that
0: actually, uh, Chris Frankel okay, I just met Chris some um, yeah. the other day it was it wasn't Orlando yeah. that you were at was it
1: no but but he was there and I yes was, i was i had i had something to go to but he invited me to go hang with him down there i've known him for a long time chris is a good guy and uh yeah so he's a beaver fit and he actually they and shout out to them they sent me some kettlebells to uh to check out so i put those in and uh having them in my group classes for my my people too so thank you beaver fit
0: <laughs> beautiful yeah well the thing yeah. is i've got big yeah. hands so the regular kettlebells are too narrow for me so i've got to get a right. set myself you have a
1: little more space yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I
1: hear you on that one. Beautiful, cool company. Yeah, Chris is Chris is a great guy.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, I want to transition some closing questions, so I can let you get on with your day. The first one I love to ask is: there a book that you love to recommend? It could be related to our discussion today, or something completely unrelated.
1: I think probably the book that I'm into right now that I think everybody should own a copy of uh just because it's it's so important and we we're just talking about it um it's called eat smarter by sean stevenson and um he just delivers the information in a really cool and like digestible no pun intended uh way so um i just i like his style and he's, he's a lot of he's data driven he doesn't present anything that doesn't have some research behind it and um he delivers it to 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 everyday people in a way they can use immediately. And I, I, I just like it. His, his style is great. And um, so E-Smarter is the book that I would recommend everybody get a copy of right now.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, the next question, is there a person you'd recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military, and associated professions of the world?
1: Well, uh, I always recommend Pavel. I always recommend Brett Jones. Uh, Chris Frankel that guy is a wealth of knowledge uh when it comes to training. And the, the whole TRX concept, he used to work for TRX for a long time before he before he went to Beaver. And uh that was developed by uh military for you know the portable gym thing. So I think uh Chris is and his his uh he's just very research based, also. Uh so he's a good guy, good resource. I know there was a guy that is uh ex military and very popular in the kettlebell world Jeff Sokol um I know he was he was a yeah uh, I don't I think he was in the Middle East somewhere he did some he did some 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 hard combat time so um he he can speak to some of the things that that uh that we're talking about um yeah but if you can get Pavel of
0: course well so let me ask you this how how do i get pavel because i I think he was Uh, on tim ferris's um podcast but i know it's very few and far between that he's on someone else's
1: yeah um well let's i will i will reach out to him and ask him if i can uh connect you two and and see he's he's super busy though i know that so great guy and very accessible and very generous with his his information is so knowledgeable well researched and and can also delivers in a way that that uh, us coaches can use immediately um but i know he's also very super busy so no promises but i I definitely will make i'll make the uh i'll make the attempt for you
0: beautiful yeah we actually my last place one there's a few guys in the the um peer kind of we weren't even technically pure fitness it was not iff thing but the the um you know the wellness team we actually put a bunch of our instructors through one of the strong first kettlebell training classes to, to get them a little more accustomed to, you know, to what they were teaching. So, so yeah, brilliant. All right. Well then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you, what do you do to decompress?
1: What do I do to decompress? I train people and I train myself and, uh, I do, uh, I'm starting to do breath work. And just some some stillness. You know, my my life prior to <clears throat> retirement was work and training, getting to the gym to train people, and and uh, you know finishing up late and um, not not giving myself uh, that much time. So now that I do have time, uh, I'm not and I made <clears throat> I made a vow, kind of a, a working vow that I would be done with things uh, by seven p.m. So I try not to work. Uh, much past that anymore i used to work until 10 at night at the gym um i would train people if they if their schedule lent to it and minded to i was in i was game and i would you know i would work you know all those crazy hours and and then but when you get home when i'd get home i'd collapse and again and fall even to days off um being sleep deprivation mode so um but I don't want to sleep the rest of my life away either. so I you know I'm doing that in a structured manner and not not oversleeping because that to me is horrible. I feel crappy if I oversleep so um just some some moments of stillness and breathing and kind of just being thankful and taking a big look at at everything and being really thankful about a lot of things. So that's kind of what I do to decompress is just kind of take a step back and and look at things and and you know I have a uh, a healthy. Uh, daughter and son-in-law and a new grandbaby. I'm very thankful for that. My son is a uh, m- becoming a fine young man and uh, he's pursuing his his life and uh, I'm very proud of him. he's a great they both my kids are great human beings and so I'm very proud of them I'm very thankful for that to be blessed to be their parent um, I have a lot of things to be thankful for, but I was rushing through life you know really hard charging it and i I would i would work I love to work and I would stay busy I love to stay busy and it was part of part of that lifestyle but um and I never really took the time to to uh, acknowledge a lot of things and so now I have that that opportunity so I can take a sit back on the couch breathe a little bit and really take a look at things and be thankful for for the good people in my life and uh and the good things that have happened to me and all the blessings so and this is one of them so thank you
0: (laughs) thank you so much so if people want to Find, you know, you now, I know you're a little bit more kind of out there on social post fire service. So where are the best places to find you or any of your work online?
1: Um, Zara Horton KBX at Gmail is like the first step in finding me. I mean, actually, finally, <clears throat> I was very opposed to it for the longest time um, being on social media, but I'm on there now. So I have an Instagram account, uh, Zar Horton KBX. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, that was, that was, this is a new one for me. So I also, I, I didn't mention my long career that I stayed, uh, even though I had some, some, a few, uh, accidents and I managed to walk out of there in one piece. So I'm thankful for that also. Um, that's God's grace, man, that I'm in one piece a lot of times for, for some of these things, um, uh, grace of God. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm doing, doing, um, programming, I'm doing online training, um, Program for people at a distance, um, just setting up programs, um, but doing Zoom training and, and online stuff, and two group classes per week and personal training here in Albuquerque. So yeah, KBX, Uh Horton KBX and Zara Horton KBX at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it.
0: Beautiful. Well, Zara, I just want to say, firstly, thank you for, you know, for being one of the very first guests because obviously the podcast was completely unknown back then and, you know, you... You took the time to share your knowledge and everyone listening, episode 14, that's where we walk through your actual life, your kettlebell introduction to to Pavel, the injury rehab, all that stuff. So, um, but this, you know, this is an important, um, perspective because not only have you had a long career in a well respected department, but at the time, you, you know, parallel to that, you're a hugely respected, revered member of the kettlebell community. Um, so it's a very important perspective. So thank you so much for being so generous with your time today.
1: Thank you. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds pretty darn cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, man. Thanks a lot.